this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. In this week's Eccentric Minute, we'll discuss another one of our foundational exercises, and that is the K-Pulley Leg Drive. To execute this, you're going to need to set some sort of support right out in front of you where you're going to be about under your shoulders and allowing your body to extend out at a 45 degree angle. From here, you're going to let your hips sink straight back towards the K-Pulley, and I want you to push as hard as you can with your feet to drive your shoulders up and out at a 45 degree angle by extending your hip, knees, and ankles. This is a great exercise to start training your athletes to be up off their heels and to drive through the ball of their feet and their big toe as we move forward in training. Give this one a shot, guys. I think this is one that you're going to love and your athletes are really going to enjoy. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have an absolutely sensational discussion. I get the opportunity to sit down and discuss acceleration and training transfer to speed with Altus's Chidienya. After a quick little intro of how Chidi got down there to Arizona, He's going to dive right into what actually matters when it comes to training acceleration. And not just linear, but lateral as well. You know, he then starts talking about, you know, the idea of max velocity, its impact on acceleration, and and how much work we actually need to do uh, with team sport athletes. You know, he then talks about the role of the weight room in training, and even shares with us some instances where he thinks he's made some mistakes and some progressions that he's had in his point of view with it throughout his training career. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Chidi, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, man. Hey, man, good to be here. Thanks for the the offer, the invitation, man. I've been following uh, following you and uh, uh, specifically like through, uh, I think I might have gotten tagged on to you guys through uh, my guy Buddy and his craziness. And uh, so you guys have put out some really good content. So it's a pleasure to be uh, to be able to contribute and, and, and have the conversation, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I'm stoked to have you on here because before we got into this, you know, we were talking about some, some pretty crazy things. You know, things that, I don't know, they actually matter when you're training, which is going to be pretty awesome to talk about. But before we get too far into this, man, for the three quarters of a human in the coaching world that doesn't know who you are, Let's give them a quick rundown of where you're at and how you got there, brother. Yeah, so, uh, man, uh, 
So I, I started off uh, as a, uh, so prior to, to coming here, I was at uh, Southern Illinois University. Um, uh, sprint hurdles, uh, men's and women's sprint hurdles and relay coach. Um, prior to that, I was a, I was actually in grad school at SIU um, working on a master's in uh, kinesiology, uh, kinesiology exercise science, uh, with a research focus on uh, um, post-activation potentiation. And, uh, and I just so happened to, like, when I was at SIU, the, or when I was a grad student, the, the, the sprint coach at the time, had, you know, he ended up leaving for another job, and I volunteered with them, with them uh, for a year while he was there. And so I happened to be one of the closest um, individuals to the program. And so I interviewed and all that kind of stuff and ended up getting a job. Um, and then um, prior to that, I was a club coach, uh, USA Track and Field AAU. I, I started a club team called Flight Track Club. Uh, it was uh, dealt with uh, athletes that was with an age range of freaking uh, youth all the way up to masters. Um, I was also a high school coach. Um, Lincoln Way East High School in Frankfort, Illinois, uh, southwest suburb of Chicago. Um, going even further back, I was a personal trainer before that at a um, private personal trainer, but then but I started that personal training, I mean, like officially I was at Bally's, right, Bally Total Fitness. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, and then, right, that's old school, right? And then uh, um, before that, I um, – so – when I went to under when I was an undergrad at Illinois State University, um, because I, I I happened to be if not the fastest one of the fastest guys on the team, um, I started working with guys then like in a very at a very small scale. People would ask me like you know what would you what are you doing to get faster? Because I, I, I you know for the NFL scouts on pro days and stuff like that, I run four threes and four fours. I had a four two eight um, best uh, forty. So dudes are like you know what are you doing? Uh, to get faster, how can I get faster? And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just, you know, a big chunk of that was the fact that, like, you know, my mom and dad were just too. So, <laughs> so I just, uh, so I, I took that opportunity to start, like, trying to teach and coach a little bit, you know. Um, clueless, clueless as I was, that was my first experience with, uh, with training. So it's gone back maybe, t you know, 21 years, maybe close to 22. I started out doing up as a teenager um, and then um, and it's and, and, and this is where I'm at so right now I am um, working with Altus but I'm also a private um, performance coach and consultant so I'll do work with different uh, either individuals um, upon request um, and uh, work that stuff out and, and have some fun with it I've been track and field heavy for many years but I say over the last four, I've gotten, uh, I've dug back deeper into the uh, multi-sport uh, world. Uh, I played football at Illinois State. Uh, I was a running back, um, and so um, I just, it is. I think for me, it's been refreshing to be able to dip back into like other sports and um, you know, look, you know, see the commonalities and the differences and see and, and how each one of them are unique and and special in their own way. Um, and yeah, so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now, you know, just coaching, having some fun and, 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 and trying to grow and get better, you know, as, 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 as best I can, you know? Yeah, man. And 
working on things that have carryover to the that mm-hmm. thing that matters, man, and that speed. So let's yeah. let's talk about some of that, right? You know, because when your name comes up, you know, obviously people are going to start talking about acceleration in team sports. You know, that's right. one of the things that people are going to you for, buddy included. So right, right, right. Let's talk about not just linear acceleration because I think that that's the one that gets the most attention, but what may be even more important and one that you talked quite a bit about is lateral acceleration as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like uh, when you, when you start to dig in, um, you know, to these different sports, um, it's not hard to see how similar uh, each one of them are. Right. So, you know, track and field, or if you're running a 40 and whatnot, um, and you're looking at a linear acceleration, there are a bunch of check marks, a bunch of boxes that have to be checked, right? Um, individuals going to get in a stance, and a stance that's going to put them in the best position to be able to produce force fast um, and 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 really get going. Um, so stance is important. When you see someone come out of the uh, come out of a two or three point stance, you'll see you know you'll see big extension. Um, a big launch out of that stance, and you'll see a progressive um, process uh, happening where, you know, um, first initial contact is either going to strike the ground um, right at or slightly behind the hip, um, depending on, you know, the ability of the, of the athlete and how well or how much they understand about what they're trying to execute. Um, and then you're going to see, the, you know, the, that ground contact shift um, progressively over time. You'll see velocity shift over time, uh, um, velocity increases. The body's angle relative to the ground will increase over time. Um, You'll see stride length uh, increase, stride uh, frequency increase. I mean, you'll see all of these things happening. And then you look at uh, um, lateral acceleration, for example, like in baseball. When you see a guy um, who wants to steal a base, the the biggest difference um, there noted is just that they're in a lateral stance, right? So they're in a lateral stance. The, when they initiate movement, let's, let's say if they're going to, you know, try to steal second base, you'll see a big push off of the left leg. Um, you'll, you'll be able to draw the same, basically the same straight line through the ankle, from the ankle through the ears, and that baseball player, when they've gone into their own uh, appropriate level like it, uh, when they've when they've um extended to their end point right they, when they've got their optimal or appropriate amount of extension you'll draw you'll be able to draw that straight line through the from the ankle through the ears the same way you'll be able to see the same boat right before toe off coming out of the blocks right and so you'll see that straight line and then that first ground contact is going to strike well should technically strike at or slightly behind the hip all right. Some people, I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, variation there. And then and then you have, you know, that baseball player has to turn like they're going to rotate and they're going to rotate towards the direction that they're that they have to go. So. All, but that whole process is very similar. You see the triple extension, you see the 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 big launch, you see the foot strike and then you see this progressive acceleration uh, taking place. You're able to draw these straight lines, these 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 like strong, powerful push lines and then. Uh, you know, so when I teach that, or when I, when I have these discussions, I'm pretty much talking about how those things are essentially the same, right? 
you set up, you know, you have to account for the stance, you have to account for the rotation, but then once they come out of that position, you coach, they, you coach their ability to come out of that stance, well, then acceleration is acceleration, right? And then from that point, you know, the, only, the, the other differences are that, you know, baseball players, gonna, they're probably going to accelerate hard for anywhere from seven to nine steps, depending on how fast they are and what their other abilities are, and then they have to start navigating a base. But acceleration is acceleration, right? And so if you have an athlete in track and field who tends to cast or overstride and strike that foot in front of, like far out in front of the hip on the, fir on the first couple of strikes, that's a problem, the same way it would be a problem for a baseball player. You know what I mean? And so um, across uh, multiple sports, um, I think it's very important at least to simplify or to be able to um, um, better understand uh, the tools necessary to be, a, to be effective as a coach. I think it's important to, like, uh, be able to identify um, the, 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 you know, what is, what is common across the board, you know, you're not going to see much. You're not going to see much differences between a lateral acceleration in a baseball player and a lateral acceleration in a football player with, uh, um, having to make some cuts. Or you know, you go to the combine and you see the, the five, ten, five, and you're seeing essentially the same things in lateral acceleration, but just at more extreme levels because of the football player has to touch the ground. You know, but acceleration is acceleration, right? The the the, the need to have to push and to push completely and to strike the ground in the right place um, on the, uh, relative to the hip, um, you know, and to have a progressive rise of the body, of the entire body relative to the ground. Like these things have to generally have to happen harmoniously. Um, there are people that can execute these things, um, you know, uh, there are outliers, right? But, um, but I think that's the important thing is to notice the similarities and, and, and build off of that. Um, and that's what uh, I think a lot of clubs, different sports are, are, are noticing more and more is, is how, instead of saying how different, um, you know, all the sports are, um, it's just noticing how similar they are and then adjusting to the demands, the specific demands of the sport uh, from there, identifying them and adjusting to the specific demands of the sport from there, you know, so... I love that, man. And when we're talking, though, about that acceleration stuff, as a guy who's kind of been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and, you know, is rocking it right now, where yeah. are some things that you're seeing, like, other than kind of that misnomer of the uniqueness, or let's just call it the individualness of each sport, right? Like, the whole idea of you have to be in football shape or the whole idea of like, you know, you have to train like a soccer player or whatever that may be like yeah. taking that aside. Where are some things that you see that we as performance coaches can be better when it comes to developing these things, this lateral and linear acceleration? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's just like, uh, I think a lot of it is just is just kind of knowing the rules, man. Like when we like when we talk about acceleration, um, it, it's it's just it's just knowing the rules. Like what I what I've noticed, like when 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 guys come to me and they and and they're wanting to get some pointers on how to uh, you know improve their their team's acceleration, um, they'll show me video stuff and like the most glaring issue 
uh, that I tend to see is guys uh, casting, guys overstriding. So, like, people will come to me and say, like, we want to get better at sprinting because we've had a lot of hamstring issues, right? And then I'll see video, and, what, and one of the first things I'll see is, like, I'll see a guy who's piked over, right? The hips are behind them. Like, they're launching from their stance or whatever, or, they're, or they, you know, you know, get into this acceleration, and they're bent over at the waist, right, staying low, and then the shin is swinging, swinging far away from the body, and they don't have the ability to bring that shin back or to, bring, or, or to switch to reverse so that that foot lands under the hip, slightly behind or under the hip, depending on what, what stage of the acceleration you're in. So, so guys are getting, like, it'll be like step two in an acceleration, and a guy is already flat-footed. You know what I mean? So if a guy is flat-footed at step two, at one of the, the where, where they're where they're going to be at one of the steepest angles of their acceleration, if they're already flat-footed, that means that foot is way out ahead of the hip. And if that foot is way out of the head of ahead of the hip, and we're talking about doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of reps over the span of a career, that's a problem, right? Like it, you you should almost you should almost expect. Um, hamstring issues like one that's one of the first things i would say is like i'll see a sprinter or i'll see a let's say a baseball player you know and i'll evaluate how they move and i'll see if i see that casting if i see that casting and that casting is like pronounced enough for it to 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 spark my to you know get a response from me then i'll ask the coach i'll like what's his injury history and almost like clockwork they'll say adductors hamstrings right and i'm like okay well, I say, let's do this. Let's, you know, get this person. We got to let's find a way to get this person to contact the ground in, in, in the right place, um, because essentially this is what you want to see in acceleration. These are the things that you should observe. Um, and that, you know, his, that person's hamstring or adductor issues might be directly related to something else. But uh, but like I can say that this might be a very strong contributor to those injuries. Right. But it's like just kind of knowing the rules, like what does it mean to accelerate and what types of things should we observe? What does it mean to be at uh, max velocity and what kind of what kind of things like what 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 boxes do we need to check? Like posturally, um, like, you know, how are the how, how, how are the limbs supposed to generally supposed to move? Do we tech, do we really do we want the arms to be locked at 90 degrees um, in a sprint or should like or should we allow those the, the elbows to, to, to open and close? Right. Like. Just knowing the rules would help uh, govern or guide uh, your programming and like studying movement in general, not just uh, because I think if we get bogged down into just the sport, like the sport that we do, I think we, 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 um, it, you know, is, is, I think is, it, it can, that's kind of like an over-focus that I don't think is necessary. Right. I think if we get like really good at being, you know, um, um, being more general and saying, okay, you know, because basketball players need to accelerate. They need to sprint. How much time they spend at max velocity is obviously not like a freaking track athlete. It's, it's, it's even different in, in basketball than football. It's different in, you know, basketball and football and soccer. They're, you know, how much time they spend at max velocity, those things vary. But, like, acceleration is acceleration, right? And so if we know – what the standards should be in terms of what the what the principles are, the, the, the biomechanical principles are, then we can we can better understand um, or coach the nuances. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of where where I go at it. Like when I see a guy 
uh, on the football field and they're having to make a lot of cuts and this, that, and the other. Yeah, his movement is going to be different than like what you see in track and field. You know, his linear acceleration is, is, is likely going to be different than what you see in a linear acceleration in track and field. But um, what the differences are going to be like in range of motion, you know what I mean? Um, but like as far as where the foot should strike and how and how they should progress and how velocity changes and how stride length and stride frequency change and all of, those things are going to be very similar. You know what I mean? And so I think if we know those rules, if we know those 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 principles, then we can then we can be better at nuancing it or making or uh, coaching um, skills uh, more specific to or directly related to our sport. You know. So. Yes. Yes. Because the general is that important to developing yeah. all of these things. Now, I want to – you ran right through something that I was like, yes, let's run down this rabbit hole. Something that has gained more and more clout, sexiness, whatever we want to call it, is training more towards max velocity, training people in these high-level speed outputs. Yeah. And its impact on acceleration. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? How much of this max velocity work do you think can help acceleration? If you do see it help acceleration, and if you do or don't, what do you see positive and negative from it? Yeah, so I, I think it does, but but I don't. But but I wouldn't say that. It, like I kind of look at it uh, from both ends. Like I think acceleration. Uh, I believe acceleration influences max velocity um, and max velocity influences acceleration. So acceleration, um, in order to, like, uh, how acceleration influences max velocity is in um, the, the amount of energy spent, um, like in an efficiency, an efficiency sense, right? So if, if you uh, can come out of stance, and you're you're hitting the right positions, right? And your acceleration is is progressive and uh, harmonious, like it's competent. Then there's a greater chance of you uh, having some competence at max velocity. You know what I mean? There's a greater chance of you assuming, um, you know, the good posture um, for any given athlete at max velocity. So like uh, so. That's how, for me, acceleration feeds max velocity. Now, max velocity is the most violent, uh, uh, basically the most violent stage of sprinting uh, that you can imagine, that you can experience, right? Uh, super high limb velocity, uh, super high uh, forces uh, on the ground, um, you know, times, I want to say maybe seven or uh, anywhere from five to eight times um, body mass. Um, and so max velocity work, uh, if, if, if we're doing that right and, and, you know, we're doing it well, um, that should technically lead to an athlete becoming faster. With an, if an athlete is getting faster, that means that it should feed into an athlete's rate of acceleration, right? So like if a dude can hit, you know, uh, 25 miles per hour, right, that person's acceleration is, should be pretty ridiculous because of that. That person's acceleration should be more impressive and more violent than if that person only had a 23, 23 mile per hour uh, max velocity. So, like max velocity work and effort enhances top speed, 
Um, but the acceleration, how one executes the acceleration, I believe, will dictate how they get into top speed. You know what I mean? Um, so, um, and then how much someone does of uh, either one of those uh, is dependent on what sport they play. You know, I don't think like if you're in, if you're playing soccer or if you're playing football or baseball or whatever, that you should never touch it, you know, but, but obviously you're not going to touch it like a track athlete. You're not going to touch it like someone who has to be there, who has to live in those accelerates in those uh, max velocity zip codes, you know? So, but I think that they feed each other, right? It's not, I don't think it's one or the other. Like, uh, I think they feed each other. You can't, I feel like you can't have one without the other. Like you can accelerate, you, get, you can have the dopest acceleration on the planet, but you, but if you can't, if you're not like fast, you know, who cares? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, it is, is they feed each other. That's, that's, that's the way I approach it, you know, and just kind of modify, modify the volumes, um, you know, um, um, based on the sport that I'm, that I'm working with. Yeah. But then, you know, so then the next kind of sexy, crazy, controversial topic, if we may. Yeah. So where do you see the weight room fitting in with that? Yeah. So the, the, the weight room, the weight room supports the work we do in the field, right? So, I, you know, I, I made the mistake uh, as a younger coach, and I'm still young, I'm 40, so whatever. But uh, the, the, as a, I, I grew up. You, you might be young at 40. I'm not young at 40. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll take that back. <laughs> but uh, I see, like, when, as a, as, uh, when I was growing up, um, I had – this like fascination with the human body, man. Like, but like, I was fascinated with bodybuilding. You know what I mean? Like, I I used to get all you know the Flex uh, magazine and um, what was it, Muscle and Fitness, and it was Muscle Mag, wasn't it? Um, and so, um, so I was big into lifting weights, right? So for like um, earlier in my career, particularly when it came to track and field, um, I used to overlift overlift athletes. And I didn't realize that until, you know, I, you, know you just kind of like you, 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 you follow uh, what you're getting in results. Um, you know, you talk to your mentors, your friends that are, that are coaching and, and, and try to make sense of like the type of results that you're getting and the type of training responses you're getting. And over time, man, I was just like, dang, you know, I'm lifting these people too much. Like I started to overemphasize like lifting and like the lifting I was doing was competing with the, with the work I was doing at the track. Um, and, um, so, so then, uh, I just adopted the philosophy that says that, you know, um, if I, uh, you know, always choose the track, you know what I mean? Because that is the highest priority that the track work is the highest priority, um, work that we, that, that we need to do or for whatever the sport is like play the sport and whatnot. So, you know, so it, 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 it's, it's purpose is to uh, we're hoping to create more robust athletes. We're hoping to, to um, be able to uh, um, uh, increase an athlete's capacity to uh, produce force, right? So we're making athletes stronger um, um, and, 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 and hopefully making athletes more robust. But, uh, 
you know, how strong an athlete needs to be is where you, you know, where you start having to ask the question. Um, because I think with the rate, with the weight room, um, strength can be overemphasized to a point, and then specificity in the weight room can be overemphasized uh, to a point where it's like, what are we really trying to accomplish? You know, uh, if, if we're trying to like, uh, if, if someone's at, uh, definition of specificity is trying to create an, create a, uh, an exercise that looks like something done at the track or that looks like something, um, done on the football field, uh, then it's like, we have to, I think we have to be careful with like trying to make those types of connections. Weight room supports what we're doing in the field. Weight room supports what we're doing at the track. And we have to be able to recognize or work hard to recognize when, uh, when we've we've reached that point of diminishing returns, you know, or or when we're not actually helping helping the process anymore um, um, with that. So as much as I love weights and as much as I love lifting, I love Olympic lifting. I watch I watch the sport of Olympic lifting. I watch powerlifting. I was just watching Westside Barbell's documentary uh, like two weeks ago, and and I went to the gym right after that. <laughs> but um, but it's, it's, I think we just have to be careful with where, um, how much we prioritize uh, weight, um, the, the work done in the weight room um, that is not interfering with, with, the, with the gains we're trying to get in our sport, you know. Um, and so I think we constantly have to be evaluating and reevaluating what we're doing in that, in that respect. And it's a humbling experience to have to do that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Like, I, like. I've had, uh, you know, and, and especially when you, so like, if you're, if you're a weight room guy, like I was, um, and so you value the fact that like, you're getting these, this, this, these athletes strong as hell. And like, you're like, dude, if, if you, know, this, you know, this athlete can squat this and can, you know, deadlift that or whatever, like they should be fast. They should be able to go out there and PR in the hundred, like no problem or, or whatever. And then like, you don't get it. Right, you're not getting these PRs, and you can't figure out why. And then you have somebody look at your programming, and they're like, "Dude, because you smashed them with weights all damn year. You smashed them with too many days of of of, of weight room work. You had too many max effort sessions in there, too deep into the season, when that person could have been done with max effort work, you know, four months in advance, or, or at least like uh, max effort work that was like two days a week work. You know, like they could have ceased." that a long time ago and you probably wouldn't would have gotten better results but like i was so built up and so hype off of like putting up some good numbers with these athletes and they were track athletes right they're like oh they, there's no way they don't run faster you know so yeah like you said it was humbling and and somewhat embarrassing <laughs> you know so but those and, are the best I, learning experiences man oh yeah hell yeah and i think it takes some courage uh to you know to Number one, like to to accept that um, critique, um, acknowledge where where you where uh, you may have gone wrong and where there needs to be some growth, and then like you know be um, be willing to to make the necessary changes. Like if you know I got people that I've trained that uh, at, at you know certain times of the year that might see the weight room once a week. You know, and, you know, let's say 12 years ago, that's, that was unheard of for me. I'm like, dude, you're in this weight room at least three days a week. 
all season long, you know. And like nowadays, I'm like once a week, we're, we're smooth because at the end of the day, if this person is 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 burning the track up, right? Like that's what matters. If they're burning the track up and we're not, you know, uh, dealing with you know the injury after injury, that's what matters, you know. So if if one day a week is the, is is a sweet spot, then one day a week it is, <laughs> you know. Oh, so. Yeah. Chidi, I love it, man. But listen, let me get you out of here on this, brother. Where can people see more of what you're doing? Where can they follow you to find out what you're doing, what you're coaching with, and, and how you're working down there? Well, so uh, I, I personally have to get way more involved with uh, freaking social media. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I'm with, um, you know, we'll get with Altus, we'll get kicked back up here in the next, uh, at least for the for, for the athletes that are, um, that'll be uh, prepping for the, um, uh, 2020 season, the Olympic year, um, that's going to um, pick up. So there'll be, you know, some social, you know, you'll see social media content, content in that regard. Um, I'll be putting some stuff out uh, more and more, uh, the work that I'm doing on my own, in my own, uh, my own realm. Um, my, I have a Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, I can send you that stuff um, uh, when, when we get off of my, uh, my Twitter is uh, Chidi, the number one, Enya. Uh, so at Chidi one Enya. Um, my Instagram is the underscore chief underscore Chidi. So T-H-E-E underscore chief underscore Chidi. And you'll be, you can you'd easily find my Facebook. But like, that's pretty much where I'm at. Um, and you know, my, uh, I can shoot you my, my email to chidi.enya at gmail.com. And, you know, I, 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 anyone can reach out, you know, shoot messages, whatever. I love talking to uh, folks, whether it be coaches or um, whoever on a wide variety of different topics. And, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of, kind of where I'm at, you know, so. I love it, my man. This is sensational. Thank you so much for your time today, brother. People are going to love this. Hey, man, no problem. And like I said, thanks for inviting me on. And uh, hopefully we can do another one, maybe another couple in the future. And uh, But we'll definitely reconnect. I appreciate the work that you do, man. Big yeah, time. Man. Appreciate that, man. Cheers. We'll be in touch real soon, buddy. All right, man. Take care. Later. And a huge thanks to Altus's Chidi Enya for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing. A man working at the highest level, talking about things that are going to help us with all the things that we do with our athletes. You know, I think that's something that people overlook is the importance of just those basic biomechanical principles and making sure we adhere to those. And what do you know? Good things seem to happen when you do. So, Chidi, can't thank you enough for being so open, honest, and candid in your sharing today. And guys, make sure you're giving them a follow on the social medias. Twitter and Instagram handles are both listed in the show notes. Make sure you're giving Chidi a follow because he's putting out some great stuff. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. Again, as always, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.